You are listening to a Drishti Point podcast, and I'm thrilled to have again here on Drishti Drishti Point, Mark Nepo. Mark Nepo is a spiritual teacher, writer, poet, philosopher, healing arts teacher, and cancer survivor. We last had him on Drishti Point to talk about his book, Reduced to Joy, and we're thrilled to have him here to talk about his latest book, Endless Practice, and also to welcome him to Vancouver, where he will be here very, very soon. So welcome, Mark. Oh, it's great to be with you again. Thanks for having me. So Endless Practice, tell us a little bit about what you hope to share with the people in Vancouver when you're here and where this inspiration for this book came from. Well, yeah, thank you. You know, this my latest book is called The Endless Practice, Becoming Who You Were Born to Be. And I just know, you know, for me, I mean, each book is an inquiry that becomes my teacher. I don't write because I have answers. I explore because that's how I stay in conversation with the universe. And, and this book <clears throat> really... Uh, has brought me to the sense that that you know the the journey obviously is never done there's no real arrival point um it's like fish who swim beautifully and deeply they're not really going anywhere are they <laughs> the the whole point is to be as alive as possible in the deep and to catch the current when we can and for us as human beings we're constantly trying to inhabit the gifts we were born with. And we rub up against the current, which is the current of experience. And no one knows how to do this. We just kind of compare notes. So, you know, the book explores this practice of how the soul meets the world and how, how by doing that, we discover our gifts and we become useful. You know, it's interesting how, um, and think about a match. And we all know that a match, it holds the light, but you can't see the light until the match strikes against something. And in the same way, I've come to understand that our gifts, we, we carry our gifts, but they're not visible and they don't release their light until our gifts strike against the needs of the world. And so what I try to do with all the the kind of opportunities I have to be with people is I try to open up a heart space in which we can explore together and I can help people discover their own gifts and their own wisdom. And and together we can look at that and how how to go back into our lives uh more in that conversation. So some of the, the topics that, and, and so, you know, uh, also a wonderful uh, friend of mine and a great storyteller and teacher herself, Margot McLaughlin, is uh, going to be assisting me uh, all weekend um, when I'm with you in Vancouver. Um, and she's a great storyteller. Um, and so anyway, we're going to be exploring, you know, topics like the, the nature of being alive, what does that really feel like? And, and, you know, one of the things that I also am always very aware of is, you know, nothing is abstract if we, if we look for where it lives in our own life. Mm-hmm. If we just talk about things, then they can be abstract. 
And so the rhythm of our time together will be to open up, you know, kind of timeless themes and situations that all human beings find themselves in. And then to look further, where do they live in our own lives? Where do they actually, where do we actually feel them and taste them and look at them? You know, we'll, we're going to look at, at uh, how do we say yes to life? Especially when we meet obstacles and pain and frustration and disappointment and loss. You know, what is our journey with yes? How do we, another topic we're going to look at will be, how do we discover what are the reliable truths that we can return to when things get difficult? Okay, you know? so there was a lot there in your answer that I, I'd like to explore a little yeah, further. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So one is this metaphor of the matchstick, that it strikes, it needs something to strike up against in order to light. Mm -hmm. So are those things, obstacles, challenges, illness, pain, are, are those some of the kinds of things that provide that striking that can light? light yeah, abs up? absolutely. And you know, they are all, they can also be beautiful things, you know, love, relationship, challenge, beauty, you know, beauty, um, you know, paradox, we, and, and definitely illness, suffering, obstacle, frustration, you know, not, you know, there's a chapter in my new, in my book that's called what's in the way is the way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're always, uh, understandably, we run into an obstacle in route to where we think we're going. And we go, God, if I could just get over that, if I could, why did this have to come? If I could just get this out of the way. But the teaching and the teacher is always in what's in the way. And so, so how do we relate to that? So and, it's okay. almost like the resistance to whatever is coming up is, is if we can let go of that, then, um, then we might be able to, be open to what a, a difficult situation might evoke in us. Well, yes, and, and I would say that, at least for me, and again, I don't have any answers. We're kind of comparing notes on what it is to be alive. And, you know, for me, what I've come to understand is that before I can let go of something, I need to be in conversation with it. So I need to be in conversation with the things that are in the way. Like, why, what is, why are you asking for my attention? What is it that you're asking me to understand here in order to move on, in order to be transformed, in order to be more awake? Uh-huh. So it's developing um, uh, openness and inquiry and curiosity to the things that, are in our life that can help us to use that um, as fuel to evoke or, or elicit our gifts. Yes, yes, you know, absolutely. And, you know, we all struggle. It's part of what we do in, in this incarnation. Everyone, we can certainly learn from each other, but the learning that we gather from other people and other ages and and, and all the traditions is only to help us embody our turn at being here, not to bypass the journey or shortcut 
the journey. No one can do that. In fact, we make things worse for ourselves when we try to skip over being human. You know? <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't seem to work out. <laughs> so um, I'd like to explore something you mentioned in terms of um, reliable truths. Yeah. So, you know, what, what I'm really um, opening there is the fact that there are fundamental truths about the nature of being alive. We may have different names for them. They may appear differently to us. But these are foundational understandings about what it is to be here that the harshness and surprise of experience often jars us either makes us forget about those things or it makes us lose our trust in them. And so part of, I think, a very personal practice that everyone has to develop is how do we restore our trust in life when we lose it? Because part of being alive is we will lose it. We all come with an innate trust in life and in being here. And then we get hurt and we lose someone or something we love or we get betrayed or we're disappointed or our dream doesn't come true. And that's when we have to have a practice of how to restore our trust in life. So one of the ways that I've found that helps me restore trust in life is that I, I, I start to track and understand the reliable foundational truths by, by which I can find my feet firmly on the ground and in the universe again. And they can be, you know, and I can share what some of those are for me, but that's not the point. The point is that everybody has to discover what those are for us. So like, you know, it's the kind of thing that what are some of the basic Understand, heart understandings about being alive that no one taught you and that no one can take away that you were born with you know mm-hmm. yeah those are the things that no one you know even if someone says oh I don't believe you or that's nonsense it doesn't matter because inside you know it's true yes I think we all have those but maybe they're unspoken or unarticulated or um, there, it must be very profound to actually articulate them in language and then maybe use them as a something to come back to over and over again. Absolutely. And this is the, you know, so, you know, I'll just give one, you know, one for me is, you know, the reliable truth that there is a common living center that mm-hmm. everything in life shares. Mm-hmm. We have, we grow in different forms. You know, you and I are different individuals or the tree that's outside my window is a different form. And my sweet little dog who's sleeping while we're talking is another form. Um, But there's some living, common living pulse at the center of everything. And this is how we are all related. And that's not just a nice idea. When I can feel that common center, I'm in touch with resilience. So, yeah, when I get battered around by experience in life, I forget that 
that common center is there and I need to restore it and it's a reliable truth I can return to. So this raises the true purpose of symbols. You know, so when I can understand what's a reliable truth for me, then I can, you know, I can create or find or uphold a symbol of that that can help me remind me of it when it's hard to see it. So in terms of symbol, can you elaborate on that? Is that a, a physical thing? or Absol is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be anything. So for instance, you know, for me, um, I have um, the, the, Hindu, uh, the Hindu deity Ganesh or Ganesha. Have you, are you familiar with Ganesh? Of course. Yeah, yes. yeah, a lot most people are, but never, you know, never want to assume because we all learn different things. Well, I, you know, over the years, um, I didn't realize it, but I've been collecting Ganeshes. Mm -hmm. it's just wherever I go and I see one, I kind of get it. And it was my wife, Susan, one day who said, oh, you're collecting these. And I thought, oh, I guess I am. <laughs> I wasn't aware I was. And I actually have several around me as we're talking. And what what I love about Ganesh is that Ganesh is the provider and remover of obstacles, which again tells us what? That, te that obstacles are teachers. Mm -hmm. They show up to teach us, and once we've learned what it is we are to learn, then they're removed or we see more deeply, and maybe it was our seeing that made it an obstacle. But anyway, I have Ganesh as a symbol to remind me of the things we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting you define Ganesh as provider and remover, whereas normally I, I typically hear just remover of obstacles, but it's, it's very refreshing and insightful to see Ganesh as a provider of obstacles. Yeah, and I found, you know, I really found that out through research because in, in, in most kind of, you know, traditions and, and even, as you're saying, even, even in contemporary, you know, Hindu folklore, we all want, in our, and then in the Judeo-Christian, um, you know, traditions, we want to look to people to get us out of trouble, saints, sages, gods, symbols. But if we look more deeply, and that's what I love, love here in this tradition, it's not that, no, it's not, it's not just to get us out of trouble. What's in the way is the way. And we're asked to be in relationship and to learn from the obstacle after which it will remove itself once we've learned what it is we are to learn. Mm -hmm. And, and um, can you speak to the, uh, the fact that sometimes the learning is not easy or comfortable <laughs> or sure. pleasant or um, the things that we might well, yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> so so let me speak to back up to that. So you know, uh, to give a, con a deeper context for that, which is an important question. Okay, the fact that you know the nature of I think that the nature of life. Look at nature. You know, uh, the elements wear down nature until things show their beauty. We call this erosion. You know, we go on vacation or we travel, we save up money and we go to see the natural wonders of the world, the Grand Canyon. 
you know, which is the largest hole that's been worn into the face of the earth. <laughs> or we go or we go to see cliffs near the ocean that have been worn by hundreds of years of the sea pounding on their on their face. And and so things are worn to their essential beauty if they can withstand the wearing. And we're no different. And, you know, the, the, what we call erosion in nature, yeah, we, we call suffering and difficulty for human beings if we can withstand that. And one of the kind of beautiful mysteries of life is that you know, I think life is made by whatever force greater than us you believe in, whatever name you give to that. I think life has been designed to be just difficult enough that we need each other <laughs> to ensure the journey of love so that we hold each other up to the wearing away so that only what's foundational and beautiful is left. And so... Yeah, it, it's difficult, <laughs> and it, it's not, and not everything. You know, like I said earlier, there as many things that are difficult, there are many things that are flowing and easy. You know, it's just that we, of course, pay more attention to the difficult because it's difficult and it hurts and it makes more noise. But it's often the things that come together easily. It's often the things that flow that help us withstand the things that are difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned relationship um, in terms of something that can be very important in, in the process of erosion or wearing down. Can you speak about um, relationships a little bit more? Sure. You know, and this applies to First off, when we talk about relationship, we often immediately think of relationship with others. But it's important to understand, and, and I'll talk about that, but it's important to understand that we are asked to stay in relationship with everything larger than us, with the nature of being alive, with our souls, with the river of experience. And, and, and so... You know, so now with that kind of understanding, yeah, we are asked, you know, our, to be in relationship with others. We have to be in relationship with ourselves. And it is through that con honest conversation of being who, who we are and being sensitive to who others are that we grow, that we learn by... Uh, by meeting others honestly, which can be beautiful and it can be difficult. Mm -hmm. And it can be difficult when we rub up against another's truth or another's way. And we constantly have the chance, you know, to, to set, because the friction of relationship is how we grow. And it's sometimes how our gifts strike like that match against the needs of each other. You know, there are lots of occasions where it's very flowing and easy and we have a sense that, oh, this is a good relationship because it's it just seems so natural. But once we stay in relationship long enough <laughs> and, and this is right, this is the thing. So it's easier to fall in love than to stay in love. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Both are beautiful, but I think the challenge of our age is to stay in relationship. I don't mean to stay in abusive relationships or to stay longer than is healthy, but in healthy relationships, once the glare and shine of falling in love and, and attraction to, and this, this applies to things we love to do, like for me, writing, or someone it might be music or gardening. There's an excitement about learning, and then, you know, it gets into the task of learning and doing. If you're a gardener, you're moving dirt, you're digging up rocks that are in the way, you're trying to keep plants that maybe aren't taking root to, to get them not to die. And it's not all, you know, pretty and tinkly and full of sunshine. Mm-hmm. And this is what enlists our care. So one thing that I, I'm hearing as a thread throughout this whole conversation as we've been talking is, um, you know, what what comes to my mind is a non-duality or a way of not seeing things in terms of opposites, um, in a sense. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Because, and this is why paradox is such a great teacher. So let's just say for a moment and define paradox as any moment when more than one thing is true at the same time. <laughs> and the, the mind can't solve paradox. The heart is asked to hold it, to hold what seems like opposites, because by holding it in our heart, then we glimpse the greater truth of oneness and the heart we, we, we trip into the logic of the spirit. So we are asked to do this. One of the teachings that has been a great teacher for me in the last 10 years has been discovering the paradox that all things are true. Not that all things are fair mm-hmm. or just or equal, but all things contain truth. And we need everybody's wisdom and viewpoint to approach understanding the whole of life. So we are asked to stay open and in conversation with life longer than we're used to. And in our age where, you know, technology is wonderful. Look, it's helping us talk like we're in the same room. Mm-hmm. And, it, and technology is inert. It is neither good nor bad. Mm-hmm. But if we don't, you know, it's, we're the ones who by default, you know, if we're not living our inner values, we will live the characteristics of the technology we're in. So in, technology is very fast. But the things we're talking about since the beginning of time, meaning takes time to show itself. Mm-hmm. The heart while it perceives, I would say, more quickly than the mind, to understand what we feel takes time. So again, we're asked to stay in relationship with our own feelings, with our own experience, until it can reveal that oneness that you sense that we're talking about. 
And it's not just, you know, why do we want to sense oneness? Well, because that's where the resources of life live. That's where strength and those foundational truths show themselves. That's where resilience lives. So it's not just to, oh, let's have a nice, wonderful understanding of one. Isn't everything's one? No, this is a, this is a spiritually practical uh, resource that when we tap into oneness, it strengthens us. Mm-hmm. Are there any particular... Um, I mean, other than life as a practice, are there any things that that are particularly nourishing for you as an individual um, that help you maintain that connection in relationship to something inside of you that can feel that? Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, I talk, <laughs> like, for instance, when we'll be together in Vancouver, um, you know, I, I often, I don't have like, here's 10 how-to things. What I really concentrate on is opening up things like we've been doing and then helping people discover what their own, and I'll share what's for me, but what their own personal practice. We each have to develop our own personal spiritual practice because what works for me may not work for you. We can share what works for each other, but then it's only an impetus for each person to discover where that lives in their life. So, you know, for me, it it's really important, you know, being human, I don't believe that, that we arrive at a permanent state of enlightenment or wakefulness. I think we, just as we've got to sleep every night, we wake and we sleep, we're sensitive and we're numb, you know, I'm clear and then I'm confused. And so, I have to wake up when I fall asleep. And so the most important thing for me is returning to hold nothing back and bring all of my full attention to whatever moment I'm in. Knowing, you know, a hundred times a day, I'll lose that. I'll lose that. I'll be in that, and then my dog, who's a year and a half and still very puppyish, will have a puppy burst and knock over a lamp, and then you know, right? And there's chaos, and then I'm not, you know, I'm no longer, you know, I'm scattered. Well, after I clean all that up, I have to return with all my heart and all my presence to remembering how rare it is to be here at all. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's spiritually rebooting. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for you, it's a, a remembrance or a return to something constantly. It's constantly. Mm-hmm. And being open to, because with, with, when we are in that kind of, a, of presence, we have, we see with different eyes, we hear with different ears, and therefore we make different decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been um, it's been so wonderful to be in conversation with you again. Oh, thank you. Same here. And uh, um, have you been to Vancouver before? 
You know, I, I've been to Vancouver a couple of times, but this is the first time I'm going to get a chance to teach and and you know actually be be with folks and um, and yeah, so that's going to be on the in two weeks actually from from tomorrow um, will be the twenty sixth and seventh, and I think you know where. I, I'm not familiar. I know the name of the place where we'll be gathering. Um, it's the Simon Fraser University Building, Woodward. That's right. Woodward Building. Okay. Um, so yeah, and Margot and I will together, and uh, on Friday night we'll be opening up a real heart space. We'll be sharing a lot of poems and stories, and then have time for a conversation. And to open up for Saturday all day, we'll be really exploring like you and I have been um, with a rhythm of opening up with stories and poems and and passages of what everyone faces in life. And then going through ex invitational exercises to journal and be in conversation and see where they these things live in, in our own lives. And we'll go through that rhythm through the whole day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you can think of your hope or aspiration, um, what would that be for, for uh, what you're able to share with people in Vancouver? Oh, you know, my hope always is that we, we enter a space where we can be re truly real together and uh, where where you know that in our time together um i just really hope that i can help introduce people to their own gifts and their own wisdom mm -hmm. and to their own heartfelt experience that's kind of a chance where being together kind of cleans our lenses <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. beautiful well i'm I'm so honored that we were able to make this time um, and so grateful to the technology that makes it possible and uh, very excited about um, being able to see you here in Vancouver. Yeah, thank you. It would be great to meet you in person, you know, uh, after the times we've been able to talk. And thanks so much for having me on and for your good work. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. And for those of you who are listening, um, Mark Nepo will be in Vancouver June 26th and 27th. He's presented by Hollyhock. And you can find information on Hollyhock's website, which is hollyhock.ca. And the name of the program is Endless Practice Vancouver. So um, thank you again. And I, I look forward to meeting you and, and perhaps continuing the conversation um, in the years to come. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much, Farah. You're welcome.